Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Who here remembers uh, asking someone for directions before GPSs were around? Yeah, okay. Anybody remember that? The era without the GPS, it's, it was common to find yourself with some directional help needed, right? Some town you were in, some dark road, some place uh, that was like, oh my gosh, where the heck did I get? How did I get here and how am I going to get out of here? And there's normally two kinds of people when they come up to this, when they used to come up to this. Two kinds of people. One was the person who had no patience at all. Uh, and they just like, they had no patience and they're just going to like, you know, they had no patience to keep looking. They're so frustrated. And then there was some who just would drive for hours, too proud to ask anybody for help, right? And I won't ask you to admit what kind of person you are. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, it takes vulnerability in those moments to ask for help. It takes vulnerability to say, hey, I'm lost. Uh, I don't know the area. I've been driving for 50 minutes here, and I don't know where to go. Uh, But how often have we attempted to discern an important decision or turn in our lives in isolation? Think about that. How often have we, not driving, not lost in in a road somewhere, in our own lives, how often have we attempted to discern important decisions in our lives or shift in our life in complete isolation without help? And we're in a series called Gifts for Discernment. We're taking a different approach, a different angle uh, in talking about discernment in this series because we wanted to look at gifts we have at our disposal, God-given gifts for discernment. And today I want to talk about the gift of community. Uh, It's really important. And there's so much within the breadth of Scripture that kind of highlights this. I want to just work through, um, read through three or four uh, passages really quickly in the wisdom literature. This is the book of Proverbs. Um, there's so much wisdom in that letter. It's part of the, the wisdom literature, the scripture. And here's th- uh, three or four verses that are going to come up on the screen. Proverbs 11, 14, 15, 22, 20, 18, and 24, 6. So, and they all sound similar. So here's, here it starts like this. Where there is no guidance, a nation falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. Without counsel, plans go wrong, but with many advisors, they succeed. Plans are established by seeking advice, so if you wage war, obtain guidance. This last one, surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. Now, it's easy to take this wisdom and read it so literally that we say, oh, instead of being isolated in my Uh, search for wisdom with nobody, I'm just going to ask as many people as possible. So I want you to be cautious because the wisdom literature is not always so cut and dry. It's not always a perfect silver bullet. It's describing life. It's describing wisdom. It's describing situations. And so be careful not to apply it so literally because you could get from this, oh, let me get as much advice as possible and then I'll be successful. Let me seek out a hundred vantage points in my particular situation, that'll bring me success. Let me check with everybody in what, you know, have you ever met that person who asks 100 people and then they get 100 responses and then they're more confused than they started, right? That's not what the wisdom literature is telling us. See, usually wisdom literature is trying to make a point by, by showing exaggerations or extremes to get our attention. It's not often silver bullet answers. And here, the extreme is no vice, no advice, Versus 
lots of advice. And it's showing that there's value in having some um, community involved. So the idea is here is don't make major decisions in isolation. Don't be an echo chamber all by yourself in your mind. Now, it's true, while too much advice can be paralyzing and confusing, the wisdom here is that no advice can lead you to bad decisions. No advice means no filters. No advice means no checkpoints in your discernment process. Here's this one line that's important. I want to put it on the screen. When it comes to discernment, there's strength in community, but weakness in isolation. When it comes to discernment, there's strength in community, but weakness in isolation. Now, there's another proverb that brings a little bit of clarity to who are these advisors. Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So the kind of advice you receive is really important. The source of the advice you receive is really important. You're looking for honest advice from a friend, from a trusted person. And sometimes that feels sweet, and sometimes that feels bitter. But when it's a good source and the right source, the wisdom is usually likely helpful. And you can often get that from a true friend. A true friend doesn't, doesn't sugarcoat everything for you. A true friend is honest with you. A trusted person or a trusted source doesn't just tell you what you want to hear, they tell you what you need to hear. Now, in our era, we, we're, we're, we're in a bigger mess today because we don't, just, we don't just have friends that we reach out to. We're scrolling our, our you know, social media feeds, and there's, there's tons of advice on Facebook and Twitter. There's tons of advice on YouTube. You can search anything and hear everybody's opinion. If you specifically listen to a news channel, and only that news channel, you're in, you're in an echo chamber of what that news channel is giving you, and that's all you're listening to. And so now you and I can be in an echo chamber because of the algorithms in our social media feeds, and the news channels we listen to. Now, so we gotta, we got to be cautious on where the source is coming from. But here's the, the idea, the big idea today. God has provided a gift to help us practice discernment, and that gift is community. That gift is people. It's no surprise that in the New Testament also describes the church with one of its roles being a community where we learn, where we practice, and where we support discernment. We learn, we practice, we support discernment. Now, we can call the church many things and describe it in its vast array, but one idea or picture of the church is that the church is a discerning community. The church is a discerning community. Historically, why we have the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed is because the church over centuries discerned the doctrine and the truths of faith and then articulated into these creeds. One of the reasons why the councils came together, like the, fourth, the council in the fourth century that articulated for us how we describe the Trinity. It's not that the Trinity never existed and the church just decided to talk about it in the fourth century. It's that for three or four centuries, they were reading the scriptures and Paul's letters and their experience and seeing the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then they said, how are we going to describe this? And through a process of discernment, right, the church came together and we have a very beautiful, wonderful, robust, authentic description of the Trinity because of discernment over centuries and then finally in its form in the fourth century. So this is a muscle that the church has used over and over again 
since its inception, also rooted in Judaism before it. Doctrine, discerning doctrine, discerning mission, discerning direction, discerning how to live life in its culture, discerning how to uh, withstand or work through the obstacles that come against it, discerning opportunities that are, that are there before them in this town or that town or in this situation. Think about the Jews even before the church was on the scene where God exiles them to Babylon and Jeremiah writes to them and says, you must live in such a way here. Pray for the shalom of the city. And then, so they're learning. They're like, they're away from the temple. They're away from Jerusalem. They're away from the main community. Now they're exiles in, in Babylon and they have to discern how to live in this place. This is part of our heritage. This is part of our history. This is part of what it means to be a discerning, a discerning community. When the church started to grow, and initially Jews became followers of Jesus, but then non-Jews became followers of Jesus, and they had, they're like, what do we do with all the food laws? What, what do we tell our non-Jewish friend who is now a follower of Jesus? Should they not eat the meat like we're not eating the meat? And they had to discern that. And you read through some pockets of the New Testament. They had to discern how to work that out. They had to discern how to live in the Roman Empire when God was calling them to live not like Babylon, but like new creation. Which empire practices would they welcome? Which empire practices would they completely stay away from? Which circles were okay for them to, to work within and which circles were not? And so the church has 2,000 years of discernment practice. We are called to be a discerning community. Our leadership team uh, last year uh, decided to read a book together called, um, I don't, can't remember what it's called, but it's on being a discerning community. Leadership as a discerning community, that's what it's called. And we just, we just plowed through it for a year because we thought, we decided, we said, look, part of our call uh, as, as leaders uh, as what the, what the church or the New Testament describes even as elders is we are called to discern together. And so how are we going to build that muscle? How are we going to strengthen that? Now, discernment happens among us too. And so when we read the scriptures, the New Testament, you will see, you count countless times where Paul uses the phrase one another, right? One another, one another, one another. It's a term you'll read multiple times in Paul's letter, letters to the churches. We're called to love one another. We're called to care for one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, pray for one another. Look these up and you'll find them in Paul's letters. There's a particular one another call that we sometimes dismiss or maybe ignore. It's found in Ephesians 4. Um, and it says, putting away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth to your neighbor, for we are members of one another. So here's this practice of being a one another community of speaking truth with your neighbor and referencing our neighbor as our one another within the body of Christ. Now, this seems, we can, we can kind of be a little bit hesitant about this because if when we speak truth to someone, they might not react really great. Or when we receive truth from someone, it's, sometimes it's a little tough. Now, the ultimate, I think the big idea here is, is always truth that is pointing to Jesus. Orthodoxy, orthopraxy, belief, life, faith, practice, right? That's, that's the big truth that we're called to speak to one another. We're not just called to go, you know, hey, Anthony, I want to tell you something really honest. I think your hair is off today. You know, like, you know, like 
Like, sorry, Anthony, your hair looks awesome, by the way. I think it's really great. But, but that, we're, we're, that's not the truth that we're called to, like, just, you know, I think, man, why did you even buy that sweater? You know, like, that, that's not the kind of truth, the honesty that we're talking about. You can, you can reserve those and keep them to yourself if you don't like somebody's fashion. Maybe they don't like yours. The, the bigger idea is the message of Jesus that it, we're called to dwell in richly and then speak to one another. But the broader sense of this, the broader sense of applying that truth is anything that helps us discern how to live the way of Jesus daily. How to live as a Christ follower in our culture. How to maybe uh, lead in business or work in a business or lead your family or be part of a family or as we heard today in stewardship, how do we use our funds? So truth, speaking truth to one another is one of the ways that we practice discernment because it, it equips us, it helps us. So Christians, you and I, have a gift in community that equips us to support our practice of discernment. And I'm going to be honest, some of us are missing out. Some of us are missing out on this gift. Some of us have this gift on the table and we completely ignore it. Some of us have this gift, like the gift of history we described a couple of weeks ago in time, the gift of limits last week, and we're going to explore one more next week. The main gift, I think, is going to be the highlight of our series. But some of us are missing out. Some of us are dismissing this. We're discerning without the gift of community. We're discerning in isolation. We're like the person who's lost, driving for an hour and a half, and does not want to ask for help with directions. But we have it at our disposal. The church historically has been a discerning community, practice discernment, and a resource for one another. So how is community a gift for discernment? So really briefly, I'll say this. One, it's a resource of knowledge. It's a resource of wisdom. It's a resource of experience. Romans 15, Paul says in verse 14, he says, I myself feel confident about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. I love that. Here, Paul is confident as he's speaking to this, the church in Rome. He's like, I'm so confident that you're filled with goodness, that you're filled with knowledge, and that you are, will be able to instruct one another. It doesn't mean that we all, be, you know, we all create a teacher-student uh, you know, relationship, but it's this idea that we can speak truth into one another. We are a resource to one another. We're, this happens among us. Now, Paul, he, to be fair, in the next verse, he says, nevertheless, on some points I have written you rather boldly by way of reminder. So, Paul says, this is dripped. You're leaking this. You're not full here. Let me remind you. You're forgetting this. I want to remind you about this. There's a a goodness in you, and there's a knowledge in you, and you're rooted in Christ, and you're called to help one another. So in a sense, the church, the community is a resource to one another. Now, generally, it's Scripture that equips us with this resource. So we've come here today, we've read Scripture, not just here, but in our worship gathering. Scripture's meant for that. Our worship here in this place, we come to listen, we come to be formed, and it is a place of discernment. When we teach through things, we're exposed to classical Christian teaching over the centuries and contemporary, meaning that how do we apply it today in the 21st century? So we're a resource to one another, and our worship and the Scriptures are a resource to us. Henry Nouwen says this, that discernment grows out of the life of faith rooted in community. 
Now, I want you to be careful because just because someone's sitting beside you doesn't qualify their advice, okay? Just because they, they take up a seat in the room, <laughs> it doesn't qualify their advice. But I do want to lean on the graciousness of Paul. You're full of goodness. You're full of knowledge. You're filled with knowledge. There's a fullness of goodness here. So people are a resource of wisdom for you. Be, be wise in, in discerning their discernment. <laughs> but Paul's being gracious here. In other words, there's a resource accessible to you. And this can happen in so many ways, but like we, we, you've heard the phrase, like hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You walk through something, we, a few years later, we're talking like we know everything. But it's because it already happened, and we went through it, and we can reflect back. And someone says, yeah, well, that's great. You walked through that two years ago. That's why you're talking like that. How were you talking two years ago before you went into it? And you're like, yeah, I had no clue what I was doing, right? And so hindsight is twenty twenty. If we could only go back in time. But you know what? The only way to go back in time is to get wisdom from someone who's already been there. I don't mean like get into an 88 DeLorean and go back into the future or the past, if you know a reference point to back to the future. What I mean is that there are people around us who've already been through what you've been through. There's, you know, you're parenting an eight-year-old. There's a dozen people around you whose kids are 14. They've already parented an eight-year-old. They're at your disposal. There, there's a dozen people around you who've already been in debt and worked through that. They've, they've been in the past before you got to your moment in the present. They're at your disposal. There's people who have already been there that you can reach out to. Community is a resource for your discernment, for my discernment. Secondly, it's a, it's a filter. It's a filter to check your discernment. This is so important. I don't know what I don't know yet right? None of us fully know what we don't know yet. I know we all think, and I think I know everything, but there's, off, there's moments that hit me almost on a daily. I'm like, oh, that's new. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know yet. And because I don't know what I don't know yet, talking through a situation with a friend or a trusted person in our church can help you filter your discernment, can help you, it can become a checkpoint for you in your discernment. Someone who's already been there, someone who's dealt with that decision, someone who's been down that road, someone who's already read the fine print and maybe didn't read the fine print and said, oh my gosh, please read the fine print before you agree to this, right? My son called me this week to upgrade a deal on something, and it was great. He's like, Dad, I think I've read through everything. It's only three bucks. I'm getting double for three bucks. Is it a, am I missing anything? Are they going to overcharge me? And I thought that was good. He called me. He's basically saying, am I reading this right? Because it sounds like three bucks, but I don't want it to be 30 after I sign, right? And so you're filtering to check your discernment. That's helpful on big purchases. That's helpful on a career change. That's helpful in a shift in ministry. That's helpful in relationship decisions. There's, you, there's people around us that can help us filter that. The, second, the third one is this, support around good discernment that you're already trying to live out. Romans 10, 24, it's a familiar verse. Says, Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as it's some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the, the day approaching, all the more as you see the coming of Christ eventually, encouraging one another. And here, here's part of the reason for this. It's not easy to follow Jesus 
today. It's never been easy to follow Jesus, but it's not easy to follow Jesus in our culture. It often feels like you're going upstream. It's not easy to live a godly life every day. It feels like you're going upstream. Sometimes it's not easy to even live out common sense. It feels like you're going upstream. And you need a community of people who will support what the world, what, what the, what the world rejects. You need a community of people that will say, you're not crazy for, for living out this conviction. Now, be careful. Don't just try and get everybody who agrees with you to tell you that you're not crazy. Remember, there's strength in numbers, right? But we need people around us. When, 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 you, want to, when you feel you know, called to the commitment of the Scriptures to not wish your enemy harm but to pray for them, there's going to be people in your workplace that say, you're crazy, just ditch them. Just trash them. Just try and get them out of the company. And no, then there's going to be followers of Christ that says, no, no, no. How are you going to treat your enemy? You're on the right path by wanting to treat them well. To bless your neighbor whose attitude sucks. To live a sexual ethic that looks nothing like we often see in culture. To work through conflict with your spouse to make your marriage work. To limit screen times with younger kids until they get older. To give, you know, giving away a portion of our income like Marlene was talking about today. Sometimes the world thinks we're nuts when we do these things. And a community supports this, this path of discernment, discerning how to live this out. Franca, my wife Franca, I've said this story before, but I think it, it's worth repeating. Like before we were getting married, a whole bunch of people in her work just kept putting down the whole idea of marriage. And one day she came into the car when I picked her up after work and she was in tears and she's like, I just can't take, it's so hard to just hear the, the narrative over and over again. And so people that were divorced two, three, four times, people that had so many unfortunate uh, moments in their relationships, bad decisions, they were telling her like, why are you even buying furniture? Just rent your furniture, Franca. It's not going to last. This is stupid. You know how crazy this is? Look at my life. <laughs> and it's like, no, don't look at your life. So Franca needed people, not just me, but people to support the conviction and discernment of her life. So who's supporting your convictions? Not your off convictions, but the good convictions. Who's supporting your convictions? And then lastly, confession. Confession when, dis when discernment goes bad. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Let's be honest. I'll be honest. I have not always discerned perfectly. I've not always made the best decisions. I can even list a few this last year that I didn't discern wisely in. We will not always discern best. We will make mistakes. We will often take two steps back even though we've taken one step forward. Sometimes our decisions and our discernment might damage a relationship or cause harm or bring a huge setback. Who do we confess that to? Do we just hold it in? Do we just live with it and that's it? Do we just keep it to ourselves? Do we just pretend like nothing's happened? Do we just say, everything's great, it's cool, don't worry? If, if you've run into debt, do you just pretend when you go to the restaurant, you spend like everybody else? Oh, I just want to make sure nobody knows that I'm... Like, what do we do with that? Well, we confess that to God, yes. 
to be honest with yourself for sure, but James invites us to confess to one another, to, bring, to vulnerably be open with others. Of course, be wise. It doesn't mean telling the whole community. It doesn't mean grabbing a microphone. It doesn't mean always wearing your heart on your sleeve, but it means that appropriately and definitely intentionally to be open about that. And here's why, because confession brings healing and confession brings restoration and confession repairs your soul and confession repairs your mind and confession repairs your heart. As we confess, we're acknowledging we have made a mistake and we're not perfect and we continually need God's grace and continually need the work of the Spirit in our lives. I believe that healing, that that healing also heal, heals this, a sense of discernment, our sense of discernment, because discernment is a practice. Discernment isn't a switch you turn on and off. Discernment is a practice you grow in. Discernment is an attunement, a tuning, a kind of sensitivity that we grow with. It's not like we just get it and we buy the product called discernment and then we get it and it works. You don't just put the app on your phone and it tells you what to do. And maybe you can ask the AI, you know, internet what to do. But the reality is, is discernment is not... Just flip a switch. Discernment is a sensitivity, a practice, a discernment. It's, it's a nuance. And healing, when we come vulnerably, you know what happens in that moment? God's at work in this, but also the practice of confession restores the antenna we use for discernment. Because we all need a strong antenna sensibility for discernment. And confession does that. It exposes our detour and it invites healing so we can discern better next time and we open ourselves up for God to work in us. That's why Paul wrote to the church and he said, you know, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewal of your mind is a process. It's not a flip the switch. And Paul says, as your mind is renewed, you will know and be able to discern what God's will is, his good and perfect and pleasing will. So this community is a gift for you and me, for our discernment. There's strength in numbers. Henry Nguyen says this, living in Christian community offers concrete ways to make choices that support discernment for deep listening for the will and way of God. Deep listening for God's will, God's way. So you can start benefiting from this gift today. Today. You don't have to wait. One, it starts right here. Really simple. Starts right here. This weekly environment where we worship, where we create sacred time and space to prioritize being immersed in God's will and God's way, in the songs we sing, in the scriptures we hear, in the, in the teachings we work through, in the conversations we have, we are immersed in God's will and way as, we, as we're immersed in his story and we allow his spirit to work in us. This place, this room, this time, this moment, this commitment, all work to shape you and me and to strengthen our discernment antennas towards the way of Jesus. We need that. We need that. Because we have so much bombarding us every day and every week that messes up our frequency to discernment that we need to be shaped in this way. And the main goal of our discernment is the way of Jesus. 
That's why this upcoming opportunity, even in March, to be in small groups with others, to work through a scriptural text together, to prepare for Easter uh, and be immersed in that story, to have dialogue and conversation, maybe opportunities to share and pray together, is so vital that we jump into these opportunities. But here's another last way you can just start this today. Move beyond yourself. Move beyond yourself. Look for people around you that have discerned well. I, I know that you could probably list a few people that you already know, I think they have good discernment. I should take them out to lunch and talk to them. <laughs> right? Whether it's generally or uniquely, like, man, the way they think about relationships and apply it, I, I need that. The way they appropriate their finances or the experiences they had, I need that. You don't know how many times I've picked up the phone and called Marlene, not just for finances, but for other stuff. Because there are certain areas of her life that I'm like, I, I love that. I appreciate that. I need to hear from that. Whether it's relationships, finances, ministry, the business you're in, people are at your disposal. I can tell you like at least five or six times last year, in the last year, that I called someone up and said, can we grab a coffee? Can I have 30 minutes with you on the phone? I want to understand what you understand about this. Why did I do that? Because I can't, I need more than me. has to go beyond me. Go and spend time with them. Bring them questions. Get prepared. Write five or ten questions. Bring a notebook. Take them out for coffee or lunch. Invest in the practice of discernment. Use the gift of community. It's at our disposal. God's designed it that way. Amen? Let's pray. And as I pray, I'm going to just ask our prayer team to come to the side and just be ready. Maybe some of us are needing specific prayer this morning. And you need someone to pray with you, pray over you, stand with you through something. And if you need that, just be ready when we're done. Or even now as I'm praying to go step into that corner with them. But we're just going to pause right now and, and uh, pray about what we've been talking about. Maybe there's some areas of your life that you just need to bring before the Lord, that you're desperate for discernment in. Just bring it to Him right now as we're praying. Verbalize it. Express it. Maybe you're here today and you're excited, inspired by this idea of community and you wonder how to step into that. And while our community is open to everybody, open for anybody who needs help, the beautiful, deep connection of the community of the church comes through Christ. And so I invite you to, to consider following Jesus, to putting your faith in Him and trusting in Him. And one of the wonderful, wonderful byproducts, results of that, is that you come into His family what the scriptures call the body of Christ. Not by anything we can do or achieve, but as we trust in him and become loyal to him as leader and Lord of our lives, we become part of his community, God's children. Our Heavenly Father, as some are here maybe discerning a step in their faith, I pray that you would just so speak deeply to them May they make this step 
humbly and confidently at the same time to press into you to allow you to lead their lives, to allow Jesus to be Lord of their lives. And God, we, we just say thank you. Thank you for your church. It's imperfect. It's been messy. Over history, we admit that over the course of history and even the course of our own life and our own church. But it's also a gift. And we're grateful. We're grateful that the church has been a discerning community historically and presently. And Lord, we thank you for this gift of community that you've given us for our, to practice discernment. We thank you for the resource that is, for the checkpoint and filtering mechanism that can be, for the support that we need to follow the way of Jesus daily and make those discerning decisions, for the vulnerability and humility and, and safety to confess when we've gone wrong. God, I thank you that your church is a gift in that way. May we not miss it, be blind to it. May we not ignore it or disregard it. But may we step into it. And may we all benefit from this gift as you lead us and guide us to discern. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.